0: Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910 or 980 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. It is 510, 64 degrees and sunny here. Sun's going down, no oh, getting darker earlier and earlier. The uh, Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. A couple things coming in. The world's oldest dog died this weekend. His name was Bobby. He was 31. He lived uh, with his human family in the rural village in Portugal. Died over the weekend. The family's home is about 93 miles north of Lisbon. Doesn't say the type of dog he is. Yeah, but he was 31. 31. And, uh was in the Guinness Book of World's Record as the oldest known dog. So, sad news coming out of there. We all love our pets. So, uh, you know, we'll see what goes on there. Before we move on, let me go to the phones. We have uh, Joe from Edwardsville on Muser and Cartwright. Joe.
1: Yeah, Rob, thank you very much for your time, brother. I'll make this quick as I can. No, no, we'll take um, your time. All right, brother. Uh, the Muser situation... Yeah, I'm sure you know. Eagle had some part to play in it, but it was strictly a political move. I don't think he had had any notion that he was going anywhere with that. But that just ups his profile a little bit. I mean, look at what happened to Pete Buttigieg. He, you know, jumped into the presidential race. His mother might have voted for him in a primary. (laughs) And the next thing you know, for the rest of his life, he's going to forever be a one-time presidential candidate, Pete Buttigieg, flaming nitwit. So there's that. And then he wound up at the Secretary of Transportation. So I'm just saying that's my opinion of why he might have made this move, which, if it works, could only be good for us. But anyway, moving on to our other uh, local congressman, Matt Cartwright, Um, the days running up to the election, man, that boy is everywhere in the days running up to the election. And I remember big stories. Coming out of Luzerne County, he was all over, and they were building a plant, I forget exactly where, to um, convert uh, compressed natural gas to uh, burnable gasoline. And it was investment, it was this, it was that. He was the greatest thing since sliced bread. He got elected, put his feet back up on the desk. I haven't heard a thing about it since.
0: Interesting, huh? It's funny what elections elections do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they bring the groundhogs up out of their holes.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and we get six more weeks of nonsense in Congress. Well, they don't, you know, well, no, I don't, nobody's in charge. Nobody's in charge. Are you kidding me? It, oh, it's ridiculous.
0: Well, we have Senator Casey, who's the, the world's famous disappearing senator. So, you know, why not?
1: Sure. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, you know, come next Groundhog Day, you yank Phil out of that hole and look behind him. You might find him there. 'Cause that's the only place that's that good to hide. Otherwise his face would be somewhere.
0: Yeah. They, Either that they, or a they,
1: milk carton. I don't know. It's one way or the other.
0: They uh they are truly letting the American people down at a record uh record pale.
1: Oh yeah, I don't even know. Uh I think uh, letting the American people down is um is a very kind way to put it. Uh I just hope they're uh, practicing safe sex what they're doing to the American people right now. <laughs>
0: All right, Joe. Well, appreciate you calling do, in. Again,
1: yeah. I thank you for your time. And those are just my four sets worth yep. on the oh. subject.
0: Always enjoyable, Joe. Always enjoyable to hear All from right. you. Thank, thank you, you, my brother. friend. It's um, you know, and speaking on that, according to the C D C data, between two thousand and seven and twenty twenty two, the US birth rate fell by twenty two percent. Not a single state reported an increase in birth rates although some experienced a slower decline than others. The U.S. birth rate is uh, steeply declining, mimicking the patterns of other developed nations worldwide, causing a global population to stop growing sometime this century. The U.S. and other developed nations have dropped below the replacement rate in recent years, meaning we are not producing enough children to maintain the population, much less grow it. Demographic strategist. Bradley Sherman explained. Today, three-quarters of the U.S. counties and half of the states have deaths outpacing births. Below-replacement fertility means closing schools, shrinking college enrollments, fewer workers and consumers, and not enough taxes to pay for entitlements. We're already seeing low-fertility fallout hitting schools and colleges, but it will have big consequences for the economy as well, Given that we, the, given that there will be relatively fewer workers and consumers, and less on, entrepreneurial activity, as the population of young adults in America falls across the nation, so it's something that we should uh, keep an eye out of. And I just saw some some breaking news come over my social media from an intel source that says the White House has ordered the Department of Defense to begin preparing contingency plans for a worst-case scenario in the Middle East which could require the evacuation of hundreds of thousands of U.S. nationals from the region with significant concerns for roughly 600,000 Americans in Lebanon and Israel. And we don't have functioning Congress. Just saying. And no fix in sight but uh let's go to the phones joe from Berwick on self-sustainability we might need that joe we might be on our own sooner than we think
3: well we we might and and, you know i i I actually think i called you about something important because i i hear you taking these phone calls like from these uh these dummies who call in and tell you oh how proud they are that they're they're pro-abortion yeah that's wonderful we have a We have a population in decline, and you're proud to be pro-abortion. But listen, this is about something much more important. I remember you saying how you started making your own wine. Now, were you talking about fruit wine, or have you tried making mead and uh, hard cider?
0: I, I have made mead. I, I don't really care for it, uh, but I have made it. I make I make hard cider. I make both apple wine and hard cider. I've made apple brandy where I've brought it up to brandy strength. I also make uh, grape wines, uh, both red and white wines.
3: Okay, so did you actually uh, purchase uh, something to, to crush the grapes or, or how did you do it what did you get something that you needed to like a fruit press for instance
0: i get my fruit pressed um, you know i do have a smaller one that i can use but um yeah. you know i go to a like a local cider uh a local orchard and have them press my cider for me
3: okay 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 well the, the thing i i want to tell you is i have been blessed with uh getting a hold of things because of the work that i do and i have a bunch of nice carboys on hand so i like you rob and if you think you're ever going to be up this way you get a hold of me on facebook and if you think you can use another one uh I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to be able to give you
0: one as well. Okay. I appreciate it, Joe. I, I have plenty that that meets my needs now. If I ever expand into the retail market, I might take you up on that. But I, you know, I do it just for a hobby and personal consumption. It's nice because I can cater my wine. My wife likes a sweeter wine, so you know I can cater to, to that. Um, I got into oaking my wine as well with toasting a, you know, natural oak and putting it in to give it because I, I like that heavier oak flavor like a barrel would give it. And since I don't make my yeah. wine in a barrel, I make it in plastic or glass, you know, it gives it that yeah. extra, that extra taste. But yeah, I got into the cider heavy for a while and every once in a while I like to make different, you know, a Riesling or a Pinot Grigio or uh, the one of the best I've made was a red Zinfandel and I got it by accident because oh, yeah. I thought I was ordering white Zinfandel because my wife, you know, doesn't like red wine, but uh, I got the red oh, Zinfandel okay. and it's very earthy and when I oaked it, it really got a good flavor to it, really, really, uh goes with my my Italian pairings my my weekly pizza night uh perfectly yeah. so you know I, and I think it's a skill first of all, I think it's a skill set that if I knew in college I'd be rich right now, but yeah. it's a skill set you know m- making any kind of alcohol be it a, be it a wine, be it a hard cider, be it anything like that is definitely a skill set that if you're in this area or anywhere you could make it in your kitchen in your basement. Um, that, that's worthwhile knowing just like you know, you know, learning to, uh, to preserve mead you know, it's, it's a good skill set to have
3: well I, I, uh, I understand what you're saying about your Italian heritage I know some Italians and yes they're, they're very serious about their wine but I, I'm taking it what, what happened with the mead that's a dry that's a, like a white dry wine I think you just don't like you don't have a taste for that
0: yeah, no. I mean, it was sweeter. I mean, we made. I've, you know, you make it with honey, and it, it's it has the sweeter side to it. I just the the taste doesn't do anything for me. And, and I've had some decent meads that I've bought, you know, commercially, but uh, it's just not something that I that I want to. You know, I, I'm happy with my my cider. I've had a mix of pear yeah. ciders and apple ciders. Uh, I've mixed them both, and and tried that. And being that that is locally sourced, I, I enjoy that because a I like uh, supporting our local orchards and, B, it's something that's easier for me to work with because I can get it as much as I want.
3: Yeah, yeah well, it sounds good, Rob, but, uh, hey, th- thank you for having me on, and I'm glad I got a chance to talk to you
0: here. All right, Joe, appreciate it. Thank you very All much. Right, you. It's uh, 521 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather.
4: Thanks, Rob. This Data Internet Traffic Update is brought to you by DEA Take Back Day. Visit deatakeback.com. We have no real problems to report. Maybe a little minimal amount of slowing on 81 coming northbound from Wilkesbury bear Creek to Pittston. You'll be dipping a bit below the speed limit at Scott Benton as well coming southbound also through the Scranton area. You'll dip a bit below the speed limit, but no major accidents uh, and no major backups at the moment. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic.
0: Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. This afternoon, mostly sunny, high mid 60s. Tonight, partly cloudy and cool, low 42. Tomorrow, partly sunny and warm, high 71. Thursday, mix of sun and clouds, high 73. Friday, partly sunny and warm, high 75. It's currently 64 degrees. Sunsets at 609 today. At 522 at your official weather station, W.I.L.K. You're with the Rob O'Donnell Show on W.I.L.K. News Radio. It's 525 here at the station. Did you see this uh, news that Bernie Sanders funneled $75,000 more? Now we'll get to the more part in a minute. From his campaign coffers to his wife and stepson's not not-for-profit. The new money, this new $75,000, which is why it's being said as more, follows $200,000 the senator's campaign set to the family's nonprofit earlier this year. It's, uh, it doesn't matter what letter they have behind their name. It doesn't matter what they try and stand up for in the rhetoric they give us on their news spiels or when they talk in front of the cameras. They're all garbage. All of them. They've truly lost their way. But, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders from Vermont transferred $75,000 from his campaign coffers to his wife and stepson's nonprofit during the third quarter. The money from the senator's campaign went to Sanders Institute on August 8th, according to a recent release Federal Election Commission filing. The cash follows a $200,000 that the committee sent to the nonprofit earlier this year. The institute was established by Sen- Sanders' wife, Jane, and his stepson, David Driscoll six years ago as a think tank to elevate progressive mouthpieces. However, the group has appeared to perform very little work while paying Driscoll six figures worth of compensation. The facts present in the case and the family ties involved certainly raise legitimate concerns, said Kendra Arnold, executive director of the Foundation for Accountability and Civic Trust. Obviously, a senator is not allowed to use his campaign to simply transfer large sums of money to family members, regardless of the route the dollars take. While on its face, the percentage the nonprofit paid out in salary alone is not necessarily problematic, legally the issue hinges on whether the salaries were paid for bona fide services at fair market value, Arnold said. In other words, if the nonprofit and its executive director are truly producing work and actually earning the money, it's not illegal. But it is frowned upon. On the other hand, if nothing or very little is being done to earn the money legitimately, then it's highly likely a serious campaign finance violation has taken place. At its launch in 2017, Jane Sanders told the Washington Post that the Institute's purpose would revolve around revitalizing democracy, and supporting progressive institutions. Our feeling is that our point in time, our country is at a crossroads, and people are engaged in the political process that can uh, be opaque, Sanders told the publication. A vital democracy requires an informed electorate, civil discourse, and bold thinking, she continued. So we put together this team to focus, this team including her son, the stepson of, Senator Sanders, to focus on issues, but not in a partisan way, not in a way that just focuses on the latest crazy thing. It will not be about former presidents. It will be about issues facing the country. And the group's latest publicly available tax form in 2021 show the nonprofit disbursed nearly 40% of its contributions to salaries while seemingly performing minimal work and having rare identifiable achievements. In uh, 2021, the Institute raised nearly $717,000 and moved $257,000 into wages, including $152,653 in salary and other compensation to the stepson of Bernard Sanders, its executive director. That same year, the Institute also reporting dispersing nearly $160,000 on producing the timeline project, which is portrayed as a policy-focused resource based on Bernie Sanders' work over four decades. That would be one of the key pillars on the website. They also dispersed nearly $89,000 for a new site, an equivalent around social media and content creation. So, uh, interesting, if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, do you support with him giving $275,000 just this year in campaign cash to his wife's non profit that employs her son, his stepson, as the executive director at a salary of, what I say, $160,000, 160 $160,000-plus-thousand dollars? Hundred and fifty-two, six $653,000. 40% of what they take in goes to wages. So is this just, uh, come on, is this money laundering? <laughs> and they said if he's doing legit work, if they're doing things, but from what this watchdog group is looking at, they haven't produced much except for salaries. 40% of what they've done goes to salaries. I guess, what does it have to reach the 50% mark? Anything over 50% in salaries? then becomes maybe uh, something we look at? Or just do we look away? Because it's Bernie Sanders. I mean, right? Might as well. Look at everything else the government's doing. On all sides. Again, it's all of them. (laughs) I don't know where we go from here. It's uh, 5.31 here at WILK. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 537, 63 degrees, and sunny. Like I said, uh, what was it was 609 for the sunset tonight. Well, a growing number of Americans are falling behind in their car payments. Anonymous sign for the U.S. economy is high auto prices and stubborn inflation strain household budgets. Car repossessions tumbled in the early days of the pandemic as governments sent trillions in stimulus money to Americans' homes and businesses, put a freeze on repossessions and such like that. But repossessions have progressively ticked up higher as the sky-high prices for new and used cars alike forced consumers to take out bigger loans. In September, the percentage of auto borrowers who were at at least 60 days late on their bills rose to 6.11%. According to Fitch Ratings reported, that marks the highest default level in nearly three decades and is a notable increase from the previous record of 5.93 in this January. This is coming from Bloomberg. The high number of loan delinquencies has not yet led to the equivalent growth in defaults. According to separate data published by Cox Automotive, Although it indicated that the loan delinquencies rose for the fifth straight month in September, defaults actually slid 9.8% for the month. Still, defaults are 31.7% from the same time over a year ago. Unsurprisingly, vehicle repossessions are also expected to climb in the coming months. Cox Automotive estimates that 1.5 million vehicles will be seized by the end of 2023. Up from one25 million, uh, I'm sorry, it'll hit 1.5 million vehicles by the end of this year, up from 1.2 million last year. That remains below the typical pre-pandemic level. The steady rise in delinquencies come as a result as both higher car prices and steep borrowing costs. And it's only going to get worse. I mean, we, we, we know this. Prices for used and new vehicles surged last year. As the results from the semiconductor shortages from the COVID nineteen supply chain disruptions, you know, made car prices skyrocket. So uh if you're delinquent on your cars, be forewarned. They expect uh one point five million vehicles to be seized by the end of twenty twenty three. So you're gonna to wanna to put the Steering lock on your car, Nikki. Uh, it's always <laughs> they can, been. The, they the, can take it, right? I was I'd just gonna like, say, oh, go ahead, take what it.
4: What are they? Like a day late, two days late? What this, they- this is
0: sixty days late. Okay, We're at a record like, number, three-decade 3, three decade high level for people 60 days late or later so on their car I payment. that's what
4: I do when I'm ready to get a new car, right? Oh, but then you can't get a loan for another one. Maybe I should take that car payment money and put it aside. I think
0: we leave radio and get into the repossession business. Well, there's a good idea. They're expecting a lot more of them. There's going to be a big business for mm. it. So if you're looking for an—if you want a small business, if you're a young guy out there, if you're a go a young guy or girl— mm. Uh, that's Nikki, at the expense of. And, and I might talk about
4: it. I, mm, I, I don't know. I have too much of a. a, a you no. want to have compassion for something?
0: Pay your bills. People who pay are, your bills. Pay
4: your bills, yes. But people are struggling. They're busting their butts. Uh, and they're paying more out of their pocket for everything else. I get it. You know? And uh, yeah, I don't know if I could take a car out from underneath somebody when they're if they're trying. Now, if they're not trying, that's another story you know but there's a lot of people out there just plain struggling doing what they can
0: oh do. it is and that's why i talked about credit uh, you know our credit card debt is almost mm-hmm. uh, store cards are almost at 30% interest now So yesterday I talked about the credit cards. I said, please, with the holidays coming, do not put things on store. I understand you get 5% here, 10%, 15%. No. Buy from locally owned
4: businesses, buy smaller gifts that mean more where the money's staying into your local economy and maybe even, let's say, something handmade that is more special.
0: And if you want to reach out to Nikki with a <laughs> the design idea, I'm sure she could provide you that for the holidays. Yeah, I could do that. Then she'll come in here more tired and yell at me for saying that. You know, you know what makes
4: me most tired? Not making the shirts at all. It's doing the traffic. Doing the traffic. I'm stuck here, and let me give you the list of things I'm not getting done while I'm here. Speaking of traffic. Yes. Here we go. Uh, This Penteladata internet traffic update. I have no reports of any accidents. I have no major backups at the moment. A little bit of slowing on 81 just before the Clark Summit exit. And then uh, through the Scranton area, I might dip a little bit below the speed limit. Northern Boulevard and Clark Summit's a bit slow go as well as they're doing some road work just above the Wise's. So, you you might um, start seeing delays after you get off the interstate and you're headed up that hill. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570 883 7269. Nikki Stone, W I L K Traffic.
0: Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. This era, Tonight, partly cloudy and cool, low 42. Tomorrow, partly sunny and warm, high 71. Thursday, mix of sun and clouds, high 73. Friday partly sunny and warm, high 75. It's currently 63 degrees and sunny at 5:42 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell show on WILK News Radio. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. Got a text message about the Bernie Sanders putting the funneling the money to his uh, wife and stepson's uh, non-for-profit where her his stepson receives a six-figure salary. And it seems to be that's all that they do there. It says, where's the indictments? Somebody else uh, said, uh, my struggling neighbors can't afford rent or food, but they all drive $50,000 vehicles. So I can afford a new car, but uh, I can't afford a new car, but my bills are paid. I hear you. You know, I've, you know, grew in my Years of being married and having children and doing the things, the amount of vacations we foregoed, and uh, and everything else did without and lived within our means. You know, I'm proud of that now to this day, but it's, a, it's definitely a, a, de- a decision you need to make. It's definitely a trade-off to uh, live within your means or extend yourself and hope for a Hail Mary, you know, somewhere. In the end, and uh, you know, as we talk about that, the United States posted a 1.7 trillion deficit for the 2023 fiscal year, despite repeat warnings that federal spending is on an unsustainable path. We're going to do a little more about that, but anything coming out of this administration's mouth is pretty much a lie. 1.7 trillion this year alone. And I'm going to go through the specific numbers in just a minute, and if you follow me on social media, you've already seen this. But let's go to uh, Matt. From Avoca on the national debt, Matt.
2: Hey, Rob. Good lead into what I was just going to say. Yeah, it was so perfect in,
0: timing with your topic.
2: I um, I just it was I, I looked at the Saint the Saint Louis Fed website. So Biden Biden now has surpassed Trump in three years the national debt that Trump uh, accumulated
0: without so a pandemic Biden, or stimulus without, and the rest of the stuff.
2: Right. They just they they just don't understand inflation. Or really anything else, Biden. Biden in three years has accumulated 5.84 trillion dollars in debt, and Trump over four years has accumulated 5.55 trillion in debt. And I used 2017, 18, 19, and 20, and I used 21, 22, and 23 in my calculations that you can find uh, on Google. Yeah, I'm
0: going to list so. through the specific numbers as soon as we get off here. But you're definitely leading into what exactly what I was going to talk about: how much we've taken in this year as opposed to paid out, and uh, you know where we are as far as the GDP and everything else.
2: And if you and if you look over over seven years, we've pissed away eleven trillion eleven trillion dollars and I have nothing to show for it. But but social programs that don't work, wars that we've accumulated no assets from. And uh, what tens of, and, and what what do we have? Uh, five ton more of fentanyl in the country. Yeah, and, absolutely. And ten million more and ten million more mouths to feed. 100,000
0: American deaths due to the drugs coming in, and we, we can go on and on.
2: Yeah, so that's that that's one thing you'll never hear anywhere. Biden has now surpassed Trump three in three years. The debt that the free wheels the free wheel spender as Trump is uh, as called. Uh, Biden has done worse.
0: Yeah, as, he's, as he tells the nation that he's lowered the deficit. But we're going to go through the specific numbers now, uh, Matt. So I appreciate your call. Hey, take care. Thank you. And uh, it's true. The federal government spent $1.695 trillion more than it collected in revenues in 2023, a 23% increase over the prior year, and the highest since the $2.78 deficit of 2021. The federal government reports $6.1 trillion in outlays, payments, on $4.4 trillion in receipts, what we've taken in. As a percentage of the GDP, the $1.695 trillion deficit was 6.3 up from 5.4 in fiscal year 2022. And again, I posted a link to this article with these numbers on my social media page, Rob O'Donnell on Facebook if you want to check. And like I, I've said from the start, I give you topics. I give you information to think about. I tell you where I get it from. I want you to research it on your own. I want you to get it from different sources. Do not take what I say as as the, you know, the final answer. Just like I look at different sources for everything that I talk about, I want you to do the same. So, uh, the deficit would have been 3.21 billion dollars larger but the Supreme Court said President Biden's effort to cancel student loans was unconstitutional. Federal borrowing from the public increased by 2 trillion during fiscal year 2023 to 26.2 trillion. The increase included 1.7 trillion to finance the deficit and $0.3 trillion in net borrowing related to other transactions. As a percentage of the GDP borrowing from the public grew from 96% at the end of fiscal year 2022 to 98% at the end of fiscal year 2023, according to figures released by the U.S. Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, and Office of Management Budget Director, Shalanda Young. The fiscal year 2023 deficit... Contributed to the national debt of $33.17 trillion through September 2023, according to the Treasury's Bureau of Fiscal Services. The fiscal year 2022 deficit was $1.375 trillion. The August Fitch Ratings, an international credit rating agency, downgraded the U.S. government's credit rating from the highest level of AAA to the tier to AA+. Plus. Fitch pointed to the U.S. government's high national debt and deficit and the erosion of governance, basically what we're seeing in the House right now. In February, the U.S. Government Accountability Office's audit of the federal government's financial statement found it continues to face an unsustainable long-term fiscal path. Now, I want you to go to my social media. I want you to go to Rob O'Donnell on Facebook. I want you to take this article. I want you to save it. Everything this administration tells you about the deficit, about what they're saving, what they're cutting, is just untrue. The numbers are from them. They speak for themselves. The U.S. debt is projected to grow faster than the U.S. economy. Debt held by the public is projected to reach the historic high of 106% of GDP within a decade. The Government Accountability Office projects that the ratio could reach more than twice the size of the economy by 2051 without changes to revenue and spending policies. The growing debt is a consequence of borrowing to finance increasingly, Large annual budget deficits, according to the report. The GAO, the Government Accountability Office, projects that spending for Social Security, federal health care programs, and all other federal program spending increases more than revenue, resulting in primary deficit. The net interest spending, which primarily represents the federal government's cost to service its debt. Basically, the interest we're paying. How much more in interest we're paying each year, and with the interest rates higher, It's an increasing perpetual cycle. We're taking out more loans, more debt, to pay for the higher interest that we are causing. The only way to control that is to cut spending. Every time this president talks about the economy, he swears that he's cut the deficit. It's pretty much across the board now, just totally untrue but here's the numbers directly from them 1.7 trillion dollar deficit this year a 23% increase over the year prior we only took in 4.4 trillion and we spent 6.1 trillion start to wake up because it is going to be us, as we're older, could not do things, could not take on those side jobs or those second jobs or those extra jobs because we'll be probably too old to do it, and our kids will be struggling, and our grandkids will be struggling. But everything this administration tells us as far as the deficit is a lie. This is numbers directly from them, the Bureau of Fiscal Services. Straight from the U.S. Secretary of Treasury Janet Yellen and the Office of Management and Budget Director Shalanda Young. There's links directly to their sites, the government sites that has that. And again, I'm getting this from the uh, the Center Square, and this is coming from Bloomberg, from them. So get this article, read it thoroughly. Like I said, it's linked on my Facebook page. You're going to want to take this. You're going to want to send it to your friends. You're going to want to use this as a resource when they say, oh, Biden's doing great things with the economy. Oh, really? Well, what about this? They'll tell you to disregard that. It's all lies and partisan nonsense. But the facts are the facts. The numbers are the numbers. We're living above our means. We're spending too much. And unless we fix it, unless we have someone with the wherewithal to fix it, we're going to hit a brick wall. It's uh 5.56, almost 5.57 here at WILK. We'll be back to close out the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Well, that's it for the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. It's almost 6 o'clock here in the station. I said I'd do this as long as it was fun. Today wasn't fun. We'll see how tomorrow goes. Maybe we'll have to reevaluate what we do. It's 6 o'clock here on WILK. God bless, be safe, and uh, we'll do it again tomorrow, hopefully.